praise the Lord. It's good to see all those bright, shiny faces out there this morning. Hallelujah. And so we're going to continue today in our study on the book of Matthew. And this will actually be lesson 41, and we're now in chapter 14. And praise the Lord. You know, when we finish this chapter, we'll be halfway through. How's that? Halfway with the book. And really, the best half is yet to come. We get many passages about the end of days, parables we encounter will be lengthier and deeper in meaning. And really the things that are covered should have special significance for us in these last days. So let's get busy on chapter 14 and on to the rest of the wonders of the book of Matthew. So if you were in our afternoon study that we did while we were doing the series on the traditions... We looked through chapter 13, and remember it was a chapter about parables, teachings of the kingdom of heaven, parables about the kingdom of heaven. Yeshua said, every Torah teacher who has been schooled in the kingdom of heaven will bring out new treasures and old out of the storehouse. Well, chapter 13 was the master rabbi, Yeshua, Torah teacher of Torah teachers, bringing out new things out of the storehouse. I believe that much of chapter 14 teaches us of the same thing in that we are to be Torah teachers as well. We are to take the good news out to the world that Yeshua is the bread of life. Let's uh, begin with verses 1 and 2 of chapter 14. It says, At this time Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Yeshua and said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. So, you know, this Herod, he's at best unbalanced mentally. He's a terrible king. (laughs) And he hears the miracles that Yeshua is doing, and he thinks it's actually John risen from the dead. And he's out to get him. And this shows you that Herod really doesn't follow God because that's not God's way. He's fearful because of his own superstitions. Now, if we were to keep reading in verse 3 through 12, we get the story of how Herod was beheaded. And we're not going to read that. We're going to move past that because I want to continue with the narrative here. John's beheading requires little commentary. But verse 13 says this, When Yeshua heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And Yeshua landed and saw a large crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now, I read it this way because I want you to see that this is the narrative The story of John's death really has nothing to do with the timeline here. Some translations will insert John into verse 12, making making you think that Yeshua heard of John's death and withdrew to a place of mourning. That's not so. The word John doesn't occur in the verse. It was added. The fact is, John is dead. He's already dead. He's been dead for a while. And that's not why Yeshua withdrew. He withdrew because he knew Herod would send men in fear that he was the resurrected John. So to avoid that kind of trouble, that kind of notoriety, that kind of scrutiny of Herod, he goes by boat to a solitary place, one where he will be safe from Herod's men. And instead of solitude that he's looking for, what does he find? 
another large crowd. And it says he has compassion on them. We spoke of this before. Yeshua is the consummate shepherd. He's the shepherd of Israel. This whole story should bring to mind the book of Zechariah and the story of two shepherds. And I'm sure that that was Matthew's intent. First we have Herod, who is supposed to be the king of Israel, the shepherd of Israel. And he's very much like the bad shepherd in the book of Zechariah. If we read chapter 11 and verse 15, it says, And the Lord said to me, Take again the equipment of the foolish shepherd, for I am going to raise up a shepherd over the land who will not care for the lost, or seek the young, or heal the injured, or feed the healthy, but will eat the meat of the choice sheep, tearing off their hooves. And so, instead of caring for the people, Herod should be the one, should be the one, who's shepherding the people. But instead of caring for the people, what does he do? He has John put to death as well as others. And so, next to his explanation of John's death at the hand of the one who should have been the shepherd of Israel, he juxtapositions the story of the true shepherd of Israel and says he had compassion on them. And as a shepherd of the people should have, not only that, but he's feeding the people as a true shepherd would have done. And so we have this juxtapositioning of the good shepherd feeding the people in Yeshua and the bad shepherd in Herod, killing the one who is actually drawing people to God. Verse 15 says, As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's really getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Yeshua replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish looking up toward heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people and they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 5,000 men besides women and children. And so here we have the true king of Israel, the shepherd of Israel, feeding the people. Not only that, feeding them from nothing. Taking five small loaves of bread and two fish and feeding 5,000 men and women and children. 5,000 men plus women and children. Probably another 5,000. I don't know. We don't get an accurate count. But what we're seeing here is the co-creator of this world, this age, creating again. And giving food to his people. Does it remind you of something? It reminds me of the traditional blessing that we say after we eat. Remember we talked about it a week or so ago. I'll read it again. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who in his goodness provides sustenance for the entire world with grace, with kindness, with mercy. He gives food to all flesh, for his kindness is everlasting. Through his great goodness to us, continuously we do not lack, and may we never lack, for the sake of his great name. For he, the benevolent God, provides nourishment and sustenance for all, and does good to all, and prepares food for all of his creatures, whom he has created. As it is said, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Praised are you, Lord, 
who provides food for all your people. Notice something else in this blessing and the words of Yeshua that we should learn as Christians. He does not bless the food as we see in traditional teachings, Christian teachings. You've all heard, may, heard people say, may, or maybe even said yourself at one time or another, bless this food to our bodies, Lord. Or something like that. Or you may have heard people say in defense of eating the pork or something, well, we said a blessing over this food. We said we blessed this food and so now it's good to eat. Folks, you cannot find blessing food in the Bible. Food is already blessed. It's the blessing of God for His children. Pork is not food. No matter how much you try to bless it or how many prayers you say over it, it's still not food. It's still unclean. It's still just pork. But the point is, you do not bless food. You bless the one who gave you the food. The only one who is blessed. And so, back to the lesson, we have this juxtapositioning of the rulers of, the, of these two ages. We have the kingdom of heaven on the one hand, and we have the king of Israel, or the ruler in this present evil age, on the other. The foolish shepherd and the true shepherd. Now, Luke tells us where this is happening. Luke chapter 9 and verse 10 says, When the apostles returned, they reported to Yeshua what they had done. Then they took them with him and withdrew themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. And so this is happening actually on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee, which if you've ever been to Israel was the opposite of the traditional location. The traditional location is on the west side. And that's the place you'll go if you go on a tour. That's the place they take you. But that traditional place is a place of the choosing of the Catholic Church. As with many things in the Catholic Church, it really has nothing to do with what the Bible teaches, though. So this part of the Sea of Galilee would actually not have been in Herod's territory, and so it would have been out of Herod's reach. And so we can see why Yeshua would choose this place to go to. Yeshua goes here looking for rest from the crowds in Herod, but instead he finds another crowd. I can relate to that. I often look to rest, but do not find it because of the world and because the ministry are always present. It's why I find my little cabin up north so important to my well-being. No phone, no neighbors, just a boat, some water, and a lot of peace. We all need a place like that. And the prayer study that we're going to do this afternoon is, is hopefully to get you to find that place. It can be just as small as a prayer closet to get away. Be by yourself with just you and the Lord. Now, we can compare this event to two others in Scripture. Elisha has a similar event take place in his life where he feeds a hundred men with 20 small loaves of bread and much left over. And we find it in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 24. A man came from Baal, Shalisha, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. 
they will eat some and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. And so we get a very similar story in the life of the prophet Elisha. But I think what the Lord would have us draw our attention to is another parable, if you will. And if we go to Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, it says this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers and you must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see this great fire anymore or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. And if anyone doesn't listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. You see, we have to keep at the forefront of our minds as we're reading the book of Matthew that this is written in Hebrew to Hebrews. This is really a gospel written for the people of Israel, the Hebrews. The people of Israel at this time were looking for the Messiah to come. And so the juxtapositioning with King Herod. But they're also looking for a prophet to come. Actually, they're looking for the prophet to come. The very prophet we just read about. And we can see this in the words of the people if we look at John chapter 7 and verse 37. It says... At the last, in the greatest day of the feast, Yeshua stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. Yeshua had not yet been glorified. Hearing his word, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He's the Messiah. You see, just as they were expecting Messiah to come, they're also expecting the prophet to come. And as you can see, they didn't necessarily understand that the prophet and the Messiah were going to be one and the same. And so we get this feeding of the multitude, one of the miracles that's recorded in all four Gospels. And it's the Lord telling us that here, look, this is the prophet like Moses. Matthew wanted his people to know that he was the prophet. Luke, Mark, and John wanted their readers to know. And so in this one chapter, we have Matthew record two things in this chapter, back to back, that would take the people's mind to Moses. Because he wants us to understand that this is the prophet like Moses. First is the feeding of the people with bread. He miraculously feeds 5,000 men and probably another 5,000 or more women and children with five loaves of bread. Let's read it again. Taking five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and they were that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So he looks to the heaven and I looked up, but did he really look up? He looks to the heaven, it said, the heavens and all the people... uh, Remember that heaven is a circumlocution for for God. It's It's a circumlocution for God's name. And he looks up and he feeds all the people. It would have been reminiscent of this. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. 
And so Yeshua feeding the people with bread in a miraculous way, as Moses did. And then we go immediately to this. In verse 22, Immediately Yeshua made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Remember that, those of you who are coming to the prayer study this afternoon. If Yeshua had to get away to, to pray, how much more do you have to get away to pray? Amen? When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Yeshua went out to them walking on the lake. And when his disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cry out in fear. And Yeshua immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me and I will come to you on the water. And so now we have Yeshua crossing the sea, showing dominion over it, not by parting it as Moses did, but just walking across it, walking on the water. And so Matthew is doing what Matthew is doing. He's showing us that here is the one who is the prophet like Moses. He does the very same things that Moses does. And here's one who's greater than Elisha. He's not a prophet. He's the prophet like Moses whom God has sent and whom we must listen to. Now the other thing I think we need to note is that Yeshua not only feeds a multitude of people of which we don't have any accurate account, but he also has 12 baskets full left over. 12. Well, that should immediately bring something to mind. What else is a 12? We have 12 tribes of Israel. And I think we can gather from that that not only did Yeshua bring forth bread for the multitude that was there that day, but he brought forth bread for the entire house of Israel, all of God's people, all the 12 tribes of Israel, the whole house. Yeshua did not come to feed just the multitude, but here, like Moses, he came to feed the whole house of Israel. And if we look at Yeshua's initial instructions, we find something very interesting. Let's uh, back up a little bit. He says, Yeshua replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. The text literally says, you feed them from yourself. They say, we can't. We have only five loaves and two fish. And so Yeshua shows them how to feed the multitude and leaves them with 12 baskets full. Yeshua, I believe, by this miracle, is saying to his disciples, through me, you can do all things. Alluding to the fact that they're going to be sent out to the whole house of Israel. If we look at the book of John, we find this in John chapter 21 and verse 13. It says, Yeshua came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with fish. This was now the third time Yeshua appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished eating, Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you really love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Yeshua said, feed my lambs. In this story, we have the disciples this time catching a miraculous load of fish, throwing their nets out right along the shore, catching a miraculous load of fish. And again, Yeshua is telling us to feed the whole house of Israel. This is, this is another 
parallel in the bread and the 12 baskets left. There's another parallel that we should look at, and that is the temple of God. There were 12 loaves of bread in the temple of God, 12 loaves of the bread of the faces, the bread of the presence, set out weekly on the Sabbath. Each week on the Sabbath, the bread of the faces had to be changed. And what do you suppose they did with the old bread? This bread that had been sitting out for a week. Well, it was said to be as fresh on the last day that they took it down as it was on the day when they put it up. And here's what they did with it. I pulled this out of uh, the Talmud. Every priest who received a piece of bread the size of an olive would eat it and be satisfied. Some would eat and some would eat and have leftovers. Thousands of priests would eat the bread of the faces and by Jewish tradition they would eat of the 12 loaves and have leftovers. A miraculous feeding. There's another tradition that I found that I think goes together with all of this. I found this years ago as I was studying the temple and I want to read it about the bread of the faces. When the Israelites were great, they were also beloved by God. And He would grant food and influx to the entire world through them. When the Israelites lived in their land, the entire influx would descend to Israel. What was left over by the Israelites would be given to the other nations of the world. Now, however, that we are in exile, the situation has been reversed. It's very much like a king who makes a feast for his trusted servants. When they do the king's will, he sits with them and they enjoy the meal together. The bones that are left over are thrown to the house animals. But if the servants do not do the king's will, he throws the entire meal to the dogs. The same is true of the Israelites. As long as they do God's will, they are worthy of sitting at the table that is before God. The entire meal, which is the influx of blessing, only comes through their merit. But when they do not do God's will, they must look, work hard for their food. They only receive what is left over from the other nations. They are like a royal prince who must be satisfied with the scraps from the table of a slave. I want you to think about that because in this instance it's all too true. Messiah came through the Jewish people. He came to feed that nation, have compassion on them, to shepherd them. This great blessing sent by God came to the Jewish people first in the first century. And we see that in this feeding of the multitude and the 12 baskets left over. He longed to gather his people and feed them and shepherd them. Even though they would not, he left his disciples with enough bread for the entire nation. But because their leaders rejected the Messiah, the knowledge of the Messiah, that bread has gone out to the nations of the world. We're the benefactors of that. We now have a feast. And sadly, they have scraps. Their eyes have been blinded. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 11, verse 7. And what then, what Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain, but the elect did. The others were hardened as it was written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they could not see and ears that they could not hear to this very day. But friends, there's a reason there were 12 left, loaves left over. God is not done with the Jewish people. The time is coming when all of these traditions that we see, 
The teachings that we're hearing are going to come alive for them and they're going to see the Messiah in them just as we do. And they're going to partake of the bread of life that is the Messiah. He will reveal himself to the people and I believe from the words of Shaul and the Messiah and Peter that we are chosen from the nations to bring this bread back to his people. Folks, we've been given so much. It's our duty to share Yeshua. I can hear Yeshua saying to us as his disciples, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Like no other community in this town, we've been given so much. We have 12 baskets full. But we need to answer the call and not say as the disciples did, we only have five loaves and two fish. Because in Messiah Yeshua, we have all things. And I believe the words of Yeshua to Peter should be ringing in our ears as well. We should be hearing Stephen Drizzy, Larry Graber, Nick Gerard. If you love me, then feed my sheep. It's all here because we still have 12 baskets full left over. And one day, we're going to hear the Jewish people say, Baruch Haba, Bashem Adonai, and then Messiah will return. Hallelujah.